But you don't know me. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to You Don't Know Me, a podcast about people you don't know. I'm your host today, Veeps, and we have an old guest, one of the originals, the return of the prodigal, great and powerful. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm the artist formerly known as the great and powerful. Um, I have <laughs> the guest changed... formerly known as the great and powerful, and you are currently known as? Uh, I am now operating under the name Tandy. Tandy. That's right. Um, so for for context, for those of you who've kind of tuned in more recently, um, Tandy, AKA the great and powerful was in uh, some of our first few episodes was kind of one of the originals and and helped us actually start the show. Mm. And since then he has been living in South Korea. He recently returned back to the Atlanta area. You know, he's home. We're all thrilled to have him, but he has some very interesting stories from his time abroad that he wants to share with us. So first things first, this was your first trip to Asia, correct? Yeah, th- this was essentially my first trip anywhere outside of the Western Hemisphere. I, I had Got been, it. You've done um, a lot of road trips and stuff. A and, lot of and road lot trips of... in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I'd been on some wonderful cruises that my grandfather had taken family on, which, you know, you go to the Caribbean and Mexico and... All of that, yeah, but, so staying kind uh, of on the continent. But even, but. Right, even then, uh, you know, the Bahamas, uh, it, that's all technically part of North America. I'd never mm. been outside that continent. Got it, cool. So this was your first excursion out, and you decided South Korea was the thing that you wanted to tackle. Sure. What was the thing that took you out there? A couple of things. Uh, first of all, I had recently graduated from university uh, and spent a couple months kind of being unemployed, uh, I, I I picked up a job here and there, and I just was never really happy with it, and it definitely was not a career path. Oh, yeah, I do remember um, that, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, you were doing some kind of, like, manual labor job. Yeah, the, the, I, I was doing some uh, house inspections, and then I was doing some part-time uh, maintenance on a campground, mm-hmm. kind of, like, cleaning off the campsites and uh, chopping wood. That so not necessarily the career path you had in mind. <laughs> not, not, not quite. Um, but ever since I was probably about 15 or 16, I had had this big dream of traveling the world and yep. living in another country. For context, and, he has always been known as having dreams of being a hobo one day. Yeah, but basically train hopping. Term. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny, me and my sister, um, even when we were little, uh, we would adventure through the storm drains underneath the roads in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we... Uh, had this like fake club there we were in and we had this uh <laughs> song you know we would sing we are the hobos and we are the very best uh we are the hobos we, we like to play in sewers but we're not evil doers <laughs> right so it, it was it was a great song um that's all i'm gonna sing of it <laughs> wait <laughs> there's like more 10 years old you know uh, so even then we're like yeah adventurous hobos that's the life for us uh, <laughs> so this started early for you <laughs> sure sure and, and of course that's like a ridiculous aspiration like oh yeah i just want to like wander around but uh that had always been something i'd really want to do mm-hmm. was to experience another culture and yeah. to kind of leave the place that you were very rooted in i had lived in georgia my whole life mm-hmm. and i really wanted to go somewhere else i wanted to uh, be in another country in a different continent uh and work there and live there and actually feel like a resident at least in some capacity mm. 
Yeah. Right? Uh, and so I had started thinking a lot about doing this, especially now that I was graduated mm-hmm. and still didn't have a job. This was like the time to do that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, because if you get into a career path and you spend a year there, you, you don't want to lose that. Yeah, it, yeah. You don't want to divert from harder. that and you get right. kind of trapped in it. Yeah. And I, I didn't have rent or anything. I was living in a friend's house in his basement rent free. Uh, which is really nice. So it was, it was very easy just to pick up. It just move. sounds way worse than it actually was. Yeah, no, it was actually. I was really living great. in my friend's basement. <laughs> yeah, well, but no, it was. It was but a we nice digress. Place to live. Right, it was a nice place to live. Uh, but I wanted to go somewhere else, and I thought about a couple different places where I could go and uh, do something. And teaching English is like the big obvious one, mm-hmm. right? It's easy, uh, it's accessible, a lot of and, people do it, yeah. You, you don't even need a background in English or in teaching. You just need a college degree of mm-hmm. any kind, mm-hmm. uh, especially for Korea. Some other countries do want, want you to English have, degrees, yeah. right, they want you to have your TEFL or mm-hmm. your ESL certification, uh, something like that. But in Korea, a lot of these places, Hagwons, which are private uh, after-school academies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're called Hagwons? Mm-hmm. Hagwons, right. Uh, and I may be pronouncing that wrong. Some people say Hagwon, some say Hakwon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really sure. I just say Hagwon. Uh, but yeah, it's very easy to get into those. Uh, and they're very. They're kind abundant. of like after school schools kind right, of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I already knew some people that were over there from university, people that I, you know, had hung out with. So it, it was really easy to do that. It was either that or uh, I had a friend in Spain. Mm. So. Ended up going to Korea, though. That sounded a little more adventurous. And you did land a job at one of the Hagwons there. Right, right. Um, so that was kind of like mm-hmm. the the catalyst for you, it And, and like. it, w- it was much easier doing this with friend, you know, with a friend over there. Mm-hmm. Because they could say, hey, look out for this in your contract. Make sure that they don't, uh, you know, pull one over your eyes with this. Look out for this. Ask mm-hmm. these questions in the interview. Uh, hey, I've seen somebody posting jobs about this. So it, it was a lot easier to help get started Yeah. since I had connections over there already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I settled on Korea and uh, it was a kind of a, not a long, long process, but it took about a month, you know, getting all the papers together. And it mm-hmm. was really, really stressful for me to like figure out this and that, that I Cause they did it. It was kind of a short term thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like, they, they needed me ASAP. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the things that happened right before I left is my uncle died. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away about a week before I left, uh, or maybe not even a week. And as soon as I got my, the final piece of paper that I needed in was like my background check. Uh, Mm -hmm. They needed all sorts of different kind of documentation that I had to send over there. Right as I got my last one and he got, uh, he sent me an email. I said, okay, we have it. Uh, We want you to leave tomorrow. I said, that's a little bit of a late notice because they hadn't even told me when. I I kept asking them in emails, when can you expect me or when would you like for me to be there when can I expect to leave uh, and they never ever gave me a concrete answer and I realized that they wanted me there soon but I didn't think that as soon as the last piece of paperwork piece of paper there. was there that they were gonna okay come now I said I haven't even moved all my furniture into storage you know mm. I, it's not like I was living at my parents house I, I have stuff that I need to take care of and I, I, yeah yeah and I, you know my mom was in grieving uh, it was her brother that died mm. 
uh, I, I wanted to go to the funeral. Um, it turned out that I wasn't able to go. They were going to host it in Texas anyways. But I, I did have to argue enough and finally say, hey, listen, I can't leave tomorrow. You got to give me a week. I have had a death in the family. You got to at least give me that. And finally they did. Hmm. So uh, a week from that point led me to leaving just before my birthday. So by the time I got over there uh, in Korea, it was, I guess, the day before my birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, I had traveled for, I think, about 20-something hours. Mm. Uh, I did not sleep at all the night before because I was very nervous about it. So by the time I finally got in, I was probably about 36 hours sleep deprived. I mean, I, I did not, I, I never do good, do well with sleeping on planes or in cars. And uh, so I just, I did not so sleep. So you were wrecked by the time you get there, yeah, right? it was terrible. It was, it was miserable. Yeah. Um, I got in to the airport and then from there it was about a two hour bus ride into Daejeon, which is the city that I was going to be living and working in. Mm-hmm. So... Once I get there, uh, there's no one there. Uh, there was someone there to meet me that uh, I, I guess the school had just hired to be a liaison, say, you know, help help this guy out, just kind of point him in the right direction, show him where which bus to get on, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he threw me on the bus. It was like one of the last buses out, apparently, and I almost missed it. <laughs> and I, I get in uh, after dark into uh, Daejeon, and... I get off at some random bus stop like it, there was like no buildings around where I got off like I felt like I was just getting off in the middle of nowhere and I was kind of creeped out by it uh and so there's just like off to the side of the road this man waiting in a you know with like a black car uh standing there waiting for me <laughs> you know like at 10 o'clock at night uh and it turned on uh it was my boss so he comes and he picks me up uh and I'm like okay great I can just He's going to take me to my apartment. We'll figure out everything else later, and I can just go to sleep. Well, the first thing we do is go to uh, the school because, of course, he wants me to know where I'll be working and show me around and Mm -hmm. everything else. So I'm trying to uh, be attentive, as attentive as I can possibly be, which is not very much when you're (laughs) 36 hours sleep deprived and you're in a country where you're very unfamiliar and... Not to knock my boss, but he did not uh, speak English very well. Yeah. Uh, so you were like, I have no idea. I, I, I had a very, very difficult time uh, communicating with him. Yeah. Whatsoever. Uh, and a lot of times uh, I just needed to have other. A second person there. Right. I, I needed yeah. other teachers uh, that I worked with to communicate. <laughs> and that made things even harder for me because as the story I'm about to get into um it was it was just ridiculous what ended up happening with my boss he really uh kind of screwed me over um Mm. to put it lightly um I don't know if you or any of our listeners have just had a really awful boss that's just uh done everything it seems like he can possibly do to screw you over almost like it's like a vendetta or something but (laughs) that's almost what it felt like like he had it out for me it piled up all these different violations of my contract and Mm -hmm. things so in my contract uh it you know it states that i'm going to be working from i think it said one to nine it's after school's program so yeah one one p.m to nine Mm p.m monday through friday 
and that's it. Of course, I, I'm going to be working with this one school. And uh, just to run through it real quick, uh, the other things in my contract, since I'll be mentioning it uh, throughout. By law, schools in Korea have to offer national health care and pension. That's required by law, and it's in my contract. Okay. So it's a contractual obligation. Uh, and then on top of that, there's a severance pay, one-month bonus payment to be paid at the uh, completion of the contract, mm. uh, as well as a flight back home. So they paid for my flight in, and if I complete the contract, uh, they pay for my flight back out. Yeah, and you get yeah the healthcare mm-hmm. piece, mm-hmm. and you get right. um, pension, mm-hmm. and then your schedule and everything was outlined ahead of time. Right, right. Okay. So seems th- like it's be- going to be clear and, yeah, you know, yeah. you have expectations. And I had already been warned at this point because I had been looking at other schools that wanted to hire me, looking at their contracts and saying, well, hey, you're not offering pension in the contract, but I know that's a legal requirement. So shouldn't you be giving me that? You know, since uh, you first sign that someone's yeah, shady if they're not right. not quite following the rules. So I had especially since I already had some connections in Korea, people warned me, hey, these hagwons can sometimes try to uh save a, a buck by not doing some of the things that they're illegally required to do. Mm-hmm. It, it happens sometimes. So he shows me the school, shows me, you know, where I'll be working, where, uh, shows me my classroom. Uh, and then he tells me that in addition to my one to nine, that I will be working at the kindergarten. I said, okay, the, uh, the kindergarten, I'm not sure what you mean it's like oh well it's a, it's different it's far away it's you know you'll, you'll be working in a kindergarten from uh 10 o'clock to 12 30 and then you'll be coming here mm. okay I, I i i was so tired that i just kind of kept nodding going yeah yeah okay uh-huh what okay. <laughs> wait wait what <laughs> so I, I was not prepared for it at all uh but he told me the uh for tomorrow he would come pick me up at my apartment and he drive me to the kindergarten. Uh, so he, he takes me to the apartment, shows me uh, the apartment and all its amenities and everything, and he leaves me there, and I go to sleep, uh, you know, for probably about six hours. <laughs> uh, I did not have a pillow. There was no pillows. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, I did not bring a pillow with me um, because I, I, I guess I thought that I would have time to pick one up. Or, or that there would yeah. be one. I, I just, I guess. Most I people just, don't. Uh, you don't move to another country with a pillow yeah, usually. Yeah. It, it would have been too much to pack. It, mm-hmm. it just would have been too bulky. Uh, so I get in there, and I, I'm glad that uh, I had the at least the forethought to pack bed sheets because the, the it was this nasty old mattress that looked like it was like ten years old. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, you know, I should be grateful that I'm being provided a mattress, but it, it was just like. Even after the nine months that I was there, I was like afraid to take the mattress off, uh, take the sheets off to wash them because I didn't want my hands on the mattress. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was that kind of thing. Um, and it also, when he shows me the place, it turns out that the uh, internet wasn't working mm. and the washing machine was busted. Uh, so I just, I had all these different things. I'm like, okay, I have to contact the internet service provider now and I have to contact a repairman. I don't know how to do any of that. And I don't have a bank account yet. And I don't <laughs> I have a phone. <laughs> right. Um, but so, uh, so the next morning he comes and he picks me up and he takes me to the kindergarten. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I meet the principal of the kindergarten. And they take me into a room and they start talking with me. And it becomes very clear to me that this is a job interview. And he leaves and this is a job interview. And at one point, finally, uh, she says, uh, the, the principal says to me, 
so I understand that you'll that you have two jobs. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, can you, can you explain that, please? She says, "Well, you'll be working at such and such my boss's school." Yeah. And you'll be working here with us at the kindergarten. So I, I kind of took a step back and I said, "I'm sorry. I don't really know what I am doing here. I have a contract with one school." To work one job, yeah, at that school, I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, and I, I kept going through the motions of the interview after that, and they were trying to explain, like, okay, how am I going to get from my apartment to here? And uh, so I showed them where I lived, and said, oh, there's no bus route that goes here. And I said, well, how long of a drive is it? It's like, well, it's about 20 minutes. I said, well, I don't have a car, I don't have a license in this country. It's like, yeah, I guess you'll have to take a taxi here. I said, no, no. That <laughs> so uh, I, I finally. Uh, this just sounds like a freaking train. Yeah, I, I finish up with uh, my job interview, and I, <laughs> I, I I tell them, hey, I, I can't do this. I, I have one. I have a contract with this school. I don't have anything with you guys. I don't know why he brought me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, okay, well, we'll talk. We'll talk to him. Talk to your boss, and come get back to us. But please let us know really soon. We really need somebody here. Uh, but I just flat out refuse. I, I tell him, I get back to the school. I go immediately to my boss's office. And I said, I am not doing that. I did not have a contract to work there. Mm, yeah. uh, I was not told ahead of time that I'd be working there. <laughs> you sent me to a job interview and didn't tell right, me why yeah. I was going. Yeah. Um, it, it became very clear to me that he was trying to sublease out my contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there was no mention of getting paid any extra, not even any mention of uh, paying what? like my transportation. Uh, so essentially, I would be working his school and their school for the same pay for the same pay and of course they would be paying my boss and my uh and that school uh, for your time but for my time but i wouldn't be getting it and i bet they would probably be paying him exactly what he was paying me yeah essentially getting a free employee yeah uh which is just so scummy and i so i told him i'm not doing that i'll work the contracted hours and only that or else I will just get on a plane and go home tomorrow. I, I'm not afraid to shell out the extra money if you're going to try to pull a fast one on me. Yeah. Uh, and so he keeps trying to come in, okay, 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 well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for your taxi rides there. No, oh, dude, okay, okay, I'm not okay, going to okay. work like yeah. 12 hours. Like, this, like what? I'll, I'll, I'll pay you, I'll pay you, uh, I'll pay you a little extra for your time there. No, that, that's, that's a one, second job. Those <laughs> should have been something that would have been assumed from the get-go, yeah. not a bonus. So finally, I get through to him that I'm just not doing that. Yeah. Uh, fast. So we'll fast forward now a month, and I get my first paycheck. And uh, it, he doesn't even give me a payslip. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll be in your account. Well, I need an itemized list because he was, and this is also something that supposedly is not allowed, but he's doing it anyway. So since he's providing my apartment and my uh and already has my utility set up, mm-hmm. he's automatically deducting it from my salary instead mm. of sending me the bills. So I said, I want to see an itemized list every single paycheck. Uh, and it was like pulling teeth, getting him to finally uh, provide that. So then I look at it and I say, okay, here's the deduction for uh, for healthcare. Okay, great, he's giving me that. Uh, here's the deductions for my rent, for utilities. Mm. But there was nothing for pension. Mm. And I asked him about it, and uh, his first response was, "Oh, well, it's very expensive." <laughs> okay, 
uh, I understand that it might be a little bit expensive, but it's required by law, and I want it. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't do anything about it. And, we and also, argue. I don't want to be stuck in a situation right. where I'm doing something illegal yeah. in a foreign country. Yeah. Uh, and we're, so we're arguing about this, you know, on and off for a while. And it, it, it ends up being in October, uh, on Halloween, actually. Uh, we're having so when did you get there? Uh, July 25th was when I flew in. First day of work was July 26th, my birthday. <laughs> So, and then, okay, got what it. What a great birthday that was. By uh, by the way, as an aside, my birthday gift to myself was two Tempur-Pedic pillows. <laughs> <laughs> and I slept so well that night. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> oh. so, so you get there in July, mm-hmm. and your pension kicks in in October? Not e- It doesn't even kick in at that point. Here's what happens. Oh. Some guy comes by. Uh... And immediately, uh, my boss runs into my office and this is a Halloween party for the kids. I, I'm, I'm not teaching any classes. I'm mm. just, after all the stress that I've been going through for worrying about what he's paying me and my pension missing and this and that, and the, a slew of other things that I'm just sort of glossing over because we don't have time for all of this. Yeah. I am very stressed out and worried about all this. And, uh, this guy comes in and, uh, he, my boss comes to me and says, oh, there's a man here that's checking for illegal things and uh, he needs to see your contract, but I don't know where your contract is. I've misplaced it. So here I have printed out your contract, uh, but it needs a signature. So please sign this really quick and I'll give it to him. I take one look at that and realize that is not my contract. What? Uh, it's not my contract at all. It does not have any mention of uh, pension. Mm. doesn't mention uh, the severance pay or the mm. flight back home. Uh, and it changes it changes me from a uh, salaried employee to uh, wage. Okay. <laughs> like, I am not signing that at all. And uh, he, he keeps arguing with me about it, trying to get me to sign it. And eventually he goes, okay, fine, fine. I, I know it's not your contract, but just sign it because I need because he's checking for illegal things. He literally says those words. He is checking for illegal things, and I need to give him this one, and then I will just tear it up and pay you th- your normal salary anyways. No. No. <laughs> I, at this point... Dude, no. I think I, I've finally been learning my lesson. And, and this is in October when this yeah, happens? Yeah, this was... Oh. Halloween, October thirty yeah. first. It's been a while. Yeah, I've learned my lesson at this point. I, I've been slowly like preparing everything. I've been talking to, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's groups uh, mm. specifically for legal advice in Korea mm-hmm. for 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 foreigners. I've been talking to them, getting all sorts of advice, and of course, I have a copy of my original contract on the computer. Mm-hmm. So I say, okay, look, I have my contract on the computer. I'm going to print that out, sign it, and that's what you're going to give him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he rushes out the door, comes back moments later. Oh, look, I have found your original contract. <laughs> oh, yes, you just magically found it. No, I know you had it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, that argument is what finally convinces him to give me my pension. Mm. You would think. But, so, so uh, after, after that point, okay, so you want your pension. Yeah, I want my pension. Uh, this is illegal what you've been doing. You need to give it to me. And if you want him, this guy that's checking for illegal things to, you know. Not find not out. Help, yeah. Not find out, then start paying me my pension. Yeah. Uh, so I start seeing on my uh, 
pay slips that there are deductions for my pension. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, pension is 9%. You are supposed to take 4.5% out of my own salary, and the employers match 4.5% from their own uh, pocket. Mm-hmm. He's deducting 6% from me. So now I have to fight him on that. In addition, as soon as I see that he has started uh, deducting uh, pension, my utilities have magically jumped up. Mm. And uh, internet is, you know, that, that that stays the same. It's the same price. It's been like 22,000 won every month. Mm-hmm. And now it was like 30 something won, 30,000. Okay. So like, okay, what are you doing here? Uh, and so now I'm like, you need to start giving me my um, my bills, paper bills for everything. And he literally laughs in my face and is like, oh, I, I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? Oh, well, it's, uh, uh, we get it in, uh, it's digital. Uh, we, we don't, you clearly know what the deductions are. So. Give me an itemized yeah, receipt. Give yeah, give me an itemized receipt. And that, that literally alone takes months just to get him to do that. And there's even one argument where I start like raising my voice in his office, demanding that he starts showing me my electricity bills and mm-hmm. my gas bill. And uh, he literally says, I have no proof of it to give you. And after I raise my voice, his uh, wife, who is the uh, secretary, mm-hmm. uh, rushes in because she's worried about the foreigner making a big stink, you know, and yelling. Because mm. that's, that's pretty bad for him. I mean, that's disrespectful on my part as well. I realized that. Yeah. But I was not happy. Uh, so she rushes in. He says something to her. She leaves and immediately comes back with receipts. My bills. Paper bills. <laughs> That they that have been sent being forwarded to their address yeah. instead. So of course they had them. They just been hiding them from me because they didn't want me to see how much it actually was. And was it less? Uh, the, yeah, the internet was less. Mm. Um, so finally, I get them to do that. But of course, I'm trying to be smart here. I call the pension office to see if the pension has, is being deposited yeah. in my account. And of course, it isn't. So now uh, he's been stealing my money. So, you know, a, 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 approximately 4.5% uh, of my salary every month is just being deducted and going nowhere. Yeah. Well, actually, what well, 6%. And then... Well, I, yeah, he, I forced his hand and finally got him to refund me all the money he owed me for, okay, for cool. that. Yeah. Because that, that in and of itself was something I was not happy about at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. Uh, but it was just... Time just one thing after, after another right, time and time again it was like never had my my paycheck ever been correct yeah there was always some underhanded something that he was doing that uh i guess just trying to save a buck and i, I realized the school was not doing well mm-hmm. uh students were leaving mm-hmm. and we didn't have any new students coming in so they were hurting for cash but that's not how you fix that problem at all. Yeah. Um, and to make matters worse, the, one of the main reasons that students were leaving is because uh, the curriculum was not something that the parents were very happy with. Mm. And the director of the school, my boss, did not know what the curriculum was at all. He was not familiar with it. And so he was not able to, in parent-teacher meetings, explain why, to the parents yeah. why the curriculum worked why it was good what it did he, they couldn't bring in new students because he didn't know instead i would come in uh to the school and for the first hour he would practice playing violin 
for about an hour. And then he would be playing with his Arduino robots. <laughs> if I was a business owner and this was happening, I would take a little bit of time to at least familiarize myself with the curriculum, right? Yeah. But he just wasn't doing that. And I think that that is what ultimately led to him going out of business. Mm. And he sells the school uh, in December. So what did that conversation sound like when, when it got to that point? You are making the assumption that there was a conversation. <laughs> what? I had to find out after the new director came in to visit the school that it was being sold. What? And So they literally sold it out from under you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and no, I was still being employed there. Yeah. They, they essentially bought the school with the employees and everything. Uh but they did, they just didn't want anyone to know it was happening, and I don't understand the thought process behind that at all. Uh, but oh yeah, everything will stay the same. Your your pay will stay the same. I wonder um, if this is really common with Hagwons. Um, yeah, yeah, I've I've definitely heard several stories about uh, Hagwons maybe just like changing hands, kind of like right. property management mm-hmm. or something. Especially at this point in time, a lot of them are going under, mm. and the reason for that is there was a big boom. Mm-hmm. Where, okay, Hagwons are really popular now. Everyone wants to practice, uh, you know, doing all these different academic subjects after school. Mm-hmm. And so they got really popular very quickly. And then there was a lot of them. And from the words of one of my coworkers, they told me that now parents and kids uh, in the country were kind of changing their minds a little bit and thinking, okay, maybe we don't need to be constantly studying every hour of every day. We don't need to be uh, sending our kids to all these after-school programs. It's just too much. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's that's a big cultural shift. I mean, right, that, it is. that's been... Yeah. The, Honestly, when when I was teaching in China, I taught for one of the after school schools. And it mm-hmm. was very very similar to that. Like right. I taught for essentially the Chinese equivalent of a hagwon. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, like it was predominantly English focused, but that was still really really huge there. And this was back in like two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big cultural movement there is still very focused on right. you know keeping kids academically competitive. And I don't know how much that's changed. Yeah. So that was one of the. Uh reasons that schools like ours were going under and students were coming into it. Mm -hmm. But I think honestly, the other big, big factor was that our boss was not able to effectively communicate to parents why our curriculum worked, why students should be enrolled. They basically weren't selling it. Yeah. Right. Because I had plenty of other friends who were uh, ESL teachers in other schools that did have more students coming in and they were doing well. Mm -hmm. You know, they were getting more students. They were expanding. So it, it it was not like this was a thing where all the schools were going under. Mm. Uh, there was something else at play, and I think that that was the main problem with it. So this did not improve with our new director that bought the business. First of all, no, most of all the employees, we were kept in the dark about everything. We didn't mm-hmm. know what was going on, what was going to stay the same. Uh, and then it turns out that this director uh, has never run a uh, English school before mm. and also was not familiar with the curriculum. <laughs> so it's so, like <laughs> director baddie 2.0. Yeah, yeah. And and don't worry if, if anyone's listening and getting like really bored with just hearing me like complain about my job. I promise there's We've good stuff We've got some good coming. stuff coming. Yeah. I, I just, th- this is to preface everything. Like, This is what you walked into. Right. And... Th- 
the entire time I'm there, there's just always this cloud hanging over my head of, am I getting my next paycheck? Am I going to get the right amount of money? Mm -hmm. Uh, Am I getting this and that? And there were uh, points where I would, I I started actively seeking out uh, ex-employees, teachers that used to work for the school. And I started talking with them and they're, oh yeah, that boss is really kind of infamous for doing really un- underhanded things. Uh, watch out for him. And, okay, what do I need to watch out for? Okay, well, uh, I get told that one of the ex-employees there... Uh, is this for the new guy or for the old guy? For the old guy. For okay, the old guy. yeah. Uh, I get told that one of the employees, uh, like a day, a day or two before he finished his contract, was given by my boss... Uh, some papers that basically said, uh, you know, like letter of resignation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that was how it was worded, but the way it was presented to him was, oh, no, you just need to sign this, and this is an official document stating that you have completed your contract and you are uh, now leaving the company and that you do not wish to continue work after your contract's finished. But then when after uh, he finishes those uh, and that last day or whatever, uh, they say, oh, we're not giving you your severance because you quit. And we don't give severance to people who quit. That's in the contract. So uh, just like, yeah, So they tricked him really into signing shady, a resignation. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I was told there was another employee that had to fight tooth and nail to get his uh, flight home. They did not want to give it to him. Uh, other employees that uh, wanted to quit and our boss threatened to blacklist them said, I will make sure that you never work as a teacher in this uh, city ever again if you mm-hmm. quit on me. That kind of thing. Just all these little things that really added up and made me want to... Uh, really watch my tail you know yeah uh things i was really worried about uh so i'm not just worried about my pension and uh him deducting too much of my you're worried uh, about him not paying for your your plane ticket home right trying to trick you or yeah and all of that so i'm trying to be so careful with all that and just really weighed heavily on my mind Mm. uh i find out from one of the other teachers that uh the there was four teachers total. There were there was other um, other academics that were just being taught, you know, um, Korean grammar and math and all mm-hmm. of that. Uh, but since all the other teachers did not speak English, I only really got to know and communicated with and hung out with uh, the English teachers. Got it. So yeah. there was myself and one other foreign teacher. She was from the Philippines, and then there were two native Korean uh, teachers that taught English there, mm. and. Uh, I find out that the two native Korean teachers did not receive their salary or did not receive their whole salary in December. He just mm. didn't pay them. What? Uh, he, he paid me and the other foreign teacher. Uh, I'm not sure why he paid us and not them. Yeah. Uh, maybe because I kind of had a foot up his ass the whole time and he knew that I was going to make a big stink about it if he didn't pay me. I mm. uh, just thought he could get away with it easier. I don't know. But he didn't pay them. This was when he was about to go out of business. He, I guess yeah. he just did not have the money. Um, or he didn't want to part with it. So then they're not even getting uh, their full salary. Uh, and then we have the whole transition with the new boss whom we had never met in months, a couple months go by and no one, none of the teachers actually knew her name. What? E- even, even the uh, native Korean teachers, uh, I would ask, so what is our boss's name? I don't know. I, I never found out her name. 
And at that point, what? you don't want to ask her what her name is. <laughs> yeah, because we've been working awkward. for her for two months. <laughs> okay, that's just like a sitcom. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Nobody knew. In fact, uh, my I think st- there was an episode of Friends about this. <laughs> my students didn't know what her name was. And because she uh, sat where our secretary used to sit um, on the computer to uh, do all of her administration work and everything else, uh, they called her desk teacher. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I, I even asked my students what her name was, and they said, oh, we don't know. That is desk teacher. Oh, my gosh. So my boss, my new boss is desk teacher. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that happen that nobody in the entire I place knows the name? No, it, it was just ridiculous. But so um, officially, the new boss takes over, and the old boss leaves for good, Uh after winter vacation so it's the new year mm-hmm. and we have our winter vacation for about a week and we come back and now it's officially taken over she's the new boss mm-hmm. uh in fact we even get told uh don't tell the students that she's the new director mm-hmm. don't tell the students that the school has been sold because we don't want the parents to freak out and yeah then take the students out so we're not even we're lying to the kids about who the teacher is uh but on that first day back, one of the uh, other teachers is there for about an hour, has a big argument with the director, and then yeah. leaves and just never comes back. What? And there are four of us total, so now there's three. Yeah. And we have full schedules, and we don't know what to do with all these extra kids that are in different classes and are different ages learning different books, and our and one of our teachers is just gone. And finally, we get a uh, we get a text from her. Just, yep, she's not coming back. She's gone for good. She has officially quit. She is not coming back. Oh, my gosh. So we get a replacement for her the very next day. In fact, uh, this is a guy that used to work for the school mm-hmm. under my old boss. Yeah. The kids are familiar with him. Yeah. They know him. Like, yay, he's back. Uh, and he says, okay, tell you what. I'm being drafted into the military. Mm. So... But not quite yet. So I'll work here for three months, just temporary. That's more than enough time for you to find a new permanent teacher. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll work here. I'm familiar with the kids. I'm familiar with the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he worked there under a different curriculum, too. So he didn't know the curriculum either. Yeah. So we had to kind of train him again to know how to work with these new books. Mm-hmm. Um, he quits after one month. Even what? though he, he said, I'll, I'm only going to be here temporarily, but I'll work for three months. He quits after one because he couldn't handle it. He's like, yeah, this is terrible. This new boss is bad. The curriculum is bad. The school is incredibly disorganized. That's some of the stuff I glossed over earlier, uh, but it was really disorganized. And he just was like, I'm done. We get a replacement for him. (laughs) She overhears eventually an argument between uh, our new boss and one of the other teachers. She overhears this argument and thinks, wow, our new boss is this boss is crazy. I do not want to work for her. So she just leaves even without any notice and is now gone. So now we have uh, a new teacher who is a replacement for a replacement (laughs) for a replacement. And, uh, another, another thing I need to mention real quick is that one of our other teachers, uh, put in a one month notice. So first teacher quits first day of, uh, Back from winter vacation. Yeah. Uh, four days later. Um, our Second first day, teacher puts in a one-month yep. notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She puts in a one-month notice. 
now it's been uh now it's been about a month we've had the replacement for the replacement for a replacement and we get told guess who does not have a replacement yet Oh my gosh, the one we, that you actually put in her notice. Yeah, the one who actually put in her notice. She is the only one that actually had been uh, formally trained for the specific curriculum. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, you know, I had learned how, as I went along how to work with the books and all that, but she was the only one that knew how to uh, do, like, the specific, very specific things with the report cards mm. and with the tests and all of that. Yeah. She was the one that organized all of that, and she said, listen, You've got a month, find someone in a week, and then for the next three weeks, I'll train train them. them. Didn't do that at all. In fact, they didn't even have a replacement. They said, we won't have a replacement for her uh, for a week. So we have uh, three teachers doing the job of four teachers, one of whom is on her first day on the job (laughs) as a replacement for a replacement for a replacement. So (laughs) this this, this is when I say, I am done. I am getting out of there. Uh, and by the way, the new boss did not speak English oh, at no. all. Uh, so she brings an, another teacher in to translate for her and tells me, uh, at, at this point, it's very clear all the employees are leaving. They're not happy. It's, it, it's all going awry. And she wants to make sure that I'm happy that I don't want to leave. Uh, so she brings in someone to translate and, uh, they say, Oh, uh, our boss wants to let you know that, um, all your late bills have been taken care of. What do you mean by late bills? Well, uh, your your rent and your utilities. Right, but my rent and utilities get automatically deducted out of my paycheck every month and go towards that. Oh, you didn't know? You were two months behind on your rent and utilities. So oh, they have been my God. stealing not just my pension, which I don't, which never even got put in yeah uh but they had all the money for, for your rent and yeah, for yeah held onto my rent money and my utilities and this was the old one or the new boss uh under the new boss now what so that that was like i'm out of here yeah uh i emptied uh, i had two different banking accounts eventually for various reasons but um mm-hmm. i emptied all the money in my bank wired it home uh, for a foreigner um, who you know on a visa, there's certain restrictions. Uh, so I was not able to transfer a large sum in one go. So I spent the next like several days going back in person to the bank every day, uh, waiting in line, transferring yeah. money back, transferring money back, transferring yeah. money back. Uh, I started you know over the weekend, sold all my furniture, um, anything that I could try to sell, make another quick buck on. Yeah, I sold. Uh, Took all all the these personal documents, uh, bank receipts, my old paychecks, all yeah. the stuff, shredded up all that, cleared out my apartment, uh, got a plane ticket, uh, slept in the hallway of an airport, got on my flight at 7 a.m., uh, bound for Japan, texted the only teacher that was left that I knew, but I did not know the replacement, um, but yeah. the other foreign teacher uh, was still there, texted her at 7 a.m. and said, hey, I will not com- be coming into work today. I'm on a plane. We're taking off right now for Japan. Good luck. <laughs> oh, no. And now, I did not want to screw her over, but I needed to get out of there, and she yeah. had even told me, I want to quit too, but it's better if you leave first and then I'll leave right after you. Yeah. Because uh, she lives there. She's married. She has two jobs. Yeah. 
it, and you know the school isn't providing housing for her so she's not going to be up a creek without a paddle mm-hmm. uh if she just leaves or if she gets fired or anything else yeah. she'll have her income she has her home she has her family she's got all of that yeah i would be in big know, trouble yeah. yes so and so I, you guys had like a plot like yeah so i'm like hey i'm out of here <laughs> and i i haven't heard from the school since i haven't looked back i was just like i am so i can't believe you didn't that. even tell them well the the only the only one that was left, i i did not want to tell uh the administration i didn't want my yeah because know. they would have been able right to... and you can get your uh visa flagged and uh, okay got like it that. yeah so i was just like midnight run you know like i you know being secret about it right you literally just <laughs> bolted in the middle yeah. of the night mm-hmm. that's crazy oh it, it it was just a nightmare, and I, I don't know if it's as like exciting to hear about, but like I was on pins and needles for nine months. Yeah. Know? This oh, okay, so all of this lasted about nine months, mm-hmm. and I know you did a lot more than just deal with this crap, though. Oh <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, you talked a lot about like culture shock and getting adjusted, and I know this was, um, you know, the job itself was kind of a big sticking point of being actually adjusted there, but what are some of the funny, funny moments for you, like, in the beginning, as you were kind of getting used to life in Korea, like, talk to me a little bit about that, not the work stuff. And and this is one thing I always feel like I really have to drive home to people when I I first got back in the States, and I was telling them about my experience, Uh, telling them about my job and what happened, like, it was a big part of like my experience there and it was something like I needed to tell people but I always had to drive home that is not like the experience it is, yeah. it is not my overall perspective of it wasn't the, the only thing you did or yeah I had a wonderful time it was a wonderful country I love the countryside um beautiful mountains I went to a couple different national parks and it was all just awesome uh but I, I think what I really took away from the something that I appreciated the most about Korea uh, mm-hmm. or the people, uh, many of whom were just really excited to see a foreigner because it's a very homogenous uh, country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of them, they, they practice English in school and then they never have a chance to use it. So it was very often somebody would just come up and speak to me in English uh, and they wanted to practice their English skills. Yeah. skills. They were, or they were just curious about me. You know, it was very often that uh, even in a group of friends, we'd be going somewhere and someone would come up and go, oh, hi, where are you from? <laughs> they, they just want to know, right? Yeah. Uh, th- there was a, a once or tr- even twice maybe where there was like a group of uh, high school kids and uh, one of them like sees me and uh, he literally sprinted away from his group, gets right in my face, shoves his hand in my face to wave, and says, "Nice to meet you," and then and then just walks away. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I really love that. Whenever anyone wanted to come up to me and yeah. practice their English skills or just say hi or was just curious about me, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, especially because uh, the the area of the city I lived in was actually pretty far separated from the rest of the city. Technically, it was mm-hmm. part of Daejeon. Yeah, but it was about a 45 minute bus ride uh into like the heart of the city mm-hmm. where all my friends lived and uh the metro didn't go all the way up to where i was so uh, i i didn't really see people very often so the people i did see they spoke korean and did not speak english so yeah. i really enjoyed whenever anybody wanted to speak talk english and get me, to know right? you yeah uh there's a dunkin donuts uh right by my school and <laughs> I, I would go there like twice a week uh sometimes yeah. more uh, to get <laughs> maybe coffee. more yeah, yeah. Uh, i'd go in there and get coffee sometimes i'd get lunch yeah 
And uh, the guy there spoke English. I'm sorry, I, I don't. I do not think that there was any other employees. He was there from open to close. You know, like nine o'clock in the morning to like a ten or eleven o'clock at night, Monday through uh, like Saturday or Sunday. He was just always there. Um, <laughs> it's uh, like like a like a cartoon or an yeah, anime. Just, yeah, yeah it was just like he's like just the one NPC, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go. <laughs> That's always it. Yeah. there. Just always there. Uh, but he was a real, you know, sunny personality, and he spoke pretty good English. So, uh, you know, we would always uh, exchange small talk when we came in. You know, um, I guess that's most of what he's able to say. So he'd just say, oh, it's very cold out, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or he'd say, uh, you know, it's really hot out today. I hope you stay cool. And just little things like that. But it was nice to just have Have that interaction. Interactions. Yeah. Uh, Found out he uh, lived for like a year in Australia when he was, I guess, in university as mm-hmm. a study abroad program or something, uh, which is where he picked up most of his English skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he would uh, give me free donuts sometimes, stuff like that. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm going to go there and get a free donut. So uh, a couple other places that I would go to that I'd frequent, uh, just like little corner shops, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just, just a place to, like, grab a soda and a candy bar or anything like that. And I'd mm-hmm. go in there. And uh, I, I stick out a lot. It's pretty easy to remember my face, I guess, uh, <laughs> when you're one of the few big, fat, bearded white guys in the town. <laughs> and, uh, and the beard was very, very oh, yeah, impressive yeah, yeah. Much, much longer than it, than it is now. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a couple inches long at this point. Very un unkempt as well i'm sure my boss didn't appreciate that yeah this is very like frowned upon as well in in south korea uh so oh and as an aside real quick um my 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 students would always grab onto my beard and they wanted to touch it It like oh it's so weird and all that (laughs) um like and once or twice you know i think people kind of frowned on it so like don't you want to shave that don't you want to get rid of it and during my two weeks in japan uh i saw uh, at least more like usually like elderly people that all had facial hair yeah it was a lot more popular and i, I got a couple of compliments just this like old man in japan just like walking down the street and then he saw me and he just started like pointing to his chin and then pointing at me and then gave me a thumbs up I was like, <laughs> good <laughs> good <laughs> so uh I, I guess that's a little bit of a cultural difference between the two countries <laughs> one it's really surprising how different yeah. yeah like china japan south korea really are because mm. those are kind of the the major three that people you know at least in the u.s are familiar right. with and they even confuse them a lot um, mm. like certain locations and right, right. i you know i cannot tell you how many times when i first got back from china people were like oh so you were in tokyo mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like no wow I, I yeah I, that's a capital city you i know would, i know i know that. but like i think they just would like hear china and then they would just mm. forget that i said china and think japan for some right, reason so right. like I don't think it was that they didn't understand like Tokyo was in Japan. I just think mm-hmm. like people, it was like they would immediately forget which of the three countries. It was right. like one of those yeah. three. You know what I mean? <laughs> one of the big three. Yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, um, people would ask me where I was from, and I'd just say the United States. I didn't expect them, most of them, to know, uh, you know, all the states. Mm-hmm. They might be familiar, obviously, with California, New yeah. York, right? But I didn't really expect mo- uh. most people to know Georgia, right? Yeah. Uh, but one thing that really uh, stuck with me and impressed me was there was one guy at a uh, corner shop near my, uh, it's actually 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. Those are big there. Huge. All over, all over Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the guys working at this 7-Eleven, uh, when I first got in the country, maybe like a couple weeks in, I go mm-hmm. in there and he um, asked me what my name is, asked me where I'm from. So I'm like, oh yeah, my name's Tandy. I... 
uh, I'm from Georgia. That's uh, where you know I grew up. That's where my family is from. And, and then I, I didn't see him again for uh, months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd go. I went back to that corner shop probably once a day for yeah. something or another. But I never saw him there. I guess he worked like a later shift or something. Yeah. Um, but a couple months go by and I come back to that shop. And at this uh, a couple weeks prior, there had been a large storm or a, a big tornado that had come through the southeast mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in Georgia. Yeah. And I come in there and he immediately, he calls me out by name. Oh, Tandy, have you, uh, you know, I, I heard about this big tornado that went through uh, Georgia. Is your family okay? Aww. And the the fact that he won... Hey, he remembered your I, name yeah, after, after months. After all this time uh, and only one other interaction, the fact that he remembered my name, not only that, but remembered the state I was from. Mm-hmm. And that your had, family was there right, and knew, yeah. And heard that there had been this big storm and thought to ask like, hey, is your family okay? That was like a really, like that impressed me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just made me feel good knowing that, you know, even some strangers that barely speaks my language, you know, uh, worlds apart from each other, uh, culturally, linguistically, geog- geographically, uh, still had cared enough to remember where I was from and to check in on me and make sure like, Hey, is your family? Yeah. And, and that was, that was just like really nice. Uh, little yeah. interactions like that really meant a lot to me. In a Especially world where, if you're alone, like if you're traveling right. and living on your yeah. own yeah. in a foreign place where you don't speak the common language mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily get a chance to really learn it to you. Yeah. Like that's, it's invaluable. It's right. uh, the whole experience that you went through. And I remember even telling you this before you left, mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to be the loneliest you've ever felt. Yeah. And, you and know? It, it was nice that I, I, knew, I had, connections there when I got there so and she already had friend circles so immediately yeah. that that is not my friend circle that just kind of automatically these are my friends now <laughs> so it, it, it wasn't really hard like it's not like I had to just go out there and but even then friends. you so know it's it, still it, it does get lonely you mm-hmm, know because yeah. there's just basic interactions that you don't think about Absolutely. when you're in your own country yeah um like in the checkout line or you have like a quippy conversation with someone mm-hmm. and you just you know they make you laugh or right. something like that you know like I, I was at Trader Joe's yesterday and mm-hmm. you know I had a really funny um like woman at, that was at the checkout counter and then the woman behind me in line they were having this like hilarious conversation about like grapefruit marmalade which I didn't know was a thing and right. but but that's what I'm like those kinds of things like you you don't realize how much you like lean on them oh yeah absolutely. and so you don't have them anymore when I first got back to the states uh, I, I had ripped my one pair of jeans to hell and back I actually tried sewing it up like four different times and just kept opening back up so I'm like, <laughs> okay gotta buy a new pair of jeans so one of the first things I did was go to a, a retail shop and buy a pair of jeans yeah and the lady there was just so chatty yeah and really friendly and uh so I, I was like being abnormally chatty back with her and just like I, I didn't say anything about it but in my head I'm like I miss just like chatting with mm-hmm. like retail employees you know just like having the ability to converse with someone back yeah. and forth like that it felt so good because yes i was able to talk english with plenty of other people but not just like most strangers on the street or yeah. a retail employee it just it was not much of a thing i don't know if i've told this story before but speaking of like the culture shock piece mm-hmm. and like seeing a familiar face um I, I was walking. I, I lived in this like really kind of smaller, I say small city, um, population of a million, but for mm-hmm. China, that's very small. Sure. Right. <laughs> so um, I was in kind of this small town that didn't have a ton of foreigners in it. And there was this woman, I was walking down the street one day and there was this white woman, white American woman who was mm-hmm. walking down on the other side of the street, like busy, like 
two or three lane road, yeah. sees me, stops, goes, <gasps> and then like literally runs across the road, hugs me and is like, I haven't seen another white person in three days. <laughs> and like freaked out. She was having such bad culture shock. She was like, oh my God, you speak English. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Every now and then I, I would see another um, uh, white person in yeah. my town. Like, it, T- Techno Valley where I lived, um, did have a, a fair no- amount of foreigners, but I, I could go, you know, an entire week without seeing a single yeah. foreigner. I think, I think she was um, traveling by herself and, like, yeah. maybe temporarily, but mm-hmm. it, it was just funny because, and this is something that I think, as a white American, like, we just don't experience being the oddball out ever, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, we have this mentality of, like, we are the majority. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're, we're so used to a life where we're the norm. You know, everything mm-hmm. is built around us. Like, you know, like, you you have that privilege, right? And you don't see that. And then when you're in another country and you're like, holy shit, I stick out so bad. And like, everybody treats me differently. And I will say, I think we even get spoiled in Asia, like a lot. Like if as a white person in Asia, they do not treat you poorly at all, Mm -hmm. but they treat you differently. And and that's one of the things I I had actually heard some horror stories about like racism or something. Oh yeah. You're, you're going to like, some people won't let white people into their stores and this and that. I had heard that. I did not experience that at all. Like I, I'd heard about like uh, some public baths that, you know, they say, oh yeah, we don't let uh, white people. In. Mm. Uh, that's what I had been told and what I had heard, but I did not experience Even that. Even the crazy all. part is it, it's probably tied to you like customs, for example, like not right. having any respect for that yeah. or having any understanding mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. very delicate kind of customs that right. like, especially in a bathhouse where everybody's kind of like nude mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be like a really weird situation to yeah. mess up. Yeah. Like, well, I, I ended up going to the bathhouse like, uh, once to t- or twice a week, like, especially because, uh, so, uh, the bathroom in my apartment was facing the outside wall mm-hmm. and there was no heating that went to it and Korean winters get very cold. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the, the whole thing is tiled and I'm like, and the water pressure was low and it did not get that hot. So I'm freezing this little mm-hmm. shower and I just much rather just, you know, Shell out seven bucks, go to a public bath, soak in a nice hot tub, sit in Mm -hmm. a sauna, sit in a steam room, you know, shower up with, you know, 200 other naked men. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, like you do. (laughs) Yeah, like you do. Speaking of running into uh, foreigners and all that, though, there was one time I was in the the public bath and you never, ever see other foreigners there. On occasion, I would see another foreigner on the street in my hometown area. Uh, but it was very, very rare to ever see anyone else uh, in the Jim Jilbongs is what mm. they were called. Uh, so I'd almost get like territorial, like, what are you doing in my area, right? Like, <laughs> this is my town. I'm the white guy here. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but at one point, th- there was this group of like five guys and they had like big yeah. beards and all tattooed up. And uh, th- they were making like a big ruckus. Like uh, a couple of them were doing cannonballs into this small little like I see that's cool and that is not what you need to be doing like but that's why like some places are probably just like no white people because they just think that everyone's like that and then also you have to think of too like in south korea they have so many military bases Mm -hmm. and military guys are not respectful of the other cultures yeah i have heard that's kind of where a lot of the stigmas come from come from yeah Yeah. and i know because i when i when i went personally went to japan i was in yokosuka Mm -hmm. which is a military town right and like they have a massive base there and it's like a big uh hub for the navy and they would get into so much Mm -hmm. trouble because there's like big street of bars where everybody would just go out like every night it was crazy like yeah yeah uh in 
Korea, that place is Itaewon in Seoul. Itaewon mm-hmm. is like the big foreigners area, and uh, oh yeah, the like they have like the off, when they're getting off base, like they go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have that in Tokyo too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but but yeah, getting off topic. So, <laughs> talking about like the interactions with uh, other people that did speak English, though, mm-hmm. um, that always had meant a lot to me, especially being so stressed out and everything so there's one particular story that i'm very fond of Mm. that i that i wanted to uh tell on here uh and it's the kind of thing that i ended up just coming back to time and time again like especially when i was at my lowest and i was really stressed out like i would just think about this one interaction with this one person Mm. and i I don't think he'll ever know like how much that like impacted you impacted me right so it it's uh that's crazy when mm-hmm. I feel like that happens a lot and that's actually right. something I would love for the show to be able to delve into just mm-hmm. for for you guys listening if you have a story about somebody like this uh, definitely write into us we would love to hear this this is just an incredible moment so I, I think I think those kind of stories are great like you never know how you impact someone mm-hmm. and it can it can be the littlest thing and for mm-hmm. this like for that for that person it really was a little thing it mm-hmm. did not mean that much probably yeah but to me it meant a whole lot um, because it was how I interpreted it and what I was dealing with at the time. So this is during Chuseok, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest holiday in Korea. Mm. What uh, is it? it we kind of just called it Korean Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay. It was in September. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's a time where basically all the businesses shut down. The schools shut down. Uh, everyone gets a ticket on the bus or mm-hmm. wherever and goes back home to their parents or their grandparents and they have these big feasts and you know, it lasts kind of like a mid autumn type right, festival. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during this time you, you will also see people wearing traditional humbucks going to uh, grave sites and bringing like offerings for the, uh, to the graves. Mm. Uh, and that's something that uh, I was told uh, by one person that it was kind of a tradition that was dying out. Mm. A lot of people would celebrate shoes off, but would not, uh, bring offerings to the dead anymore. There was, there was too much of like a spiritual like aspect of that, of believing in spirits that like a lot of people just didn't put as much stock in anymore. Yeah, or didn't care about, or just didn't have the time for. There's this um something kind of similar in China, mm-hmm. but they like burn money. Hmm. It's Strange. anyway. Um, I'll have to dig into this a little bit more. I've only really seen it once, and I need to mm-hmm. do some research before I say that. But I distinctly remember being there and seeing people burn money. Well, if uh, if part of this holiday was burning money, I would be one of the first people to try to stop it. <laughs> it's like, so, hey, what are you doing? I think, yeah, anyway, continue. Right. So, uh, you know, it's a big family time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, me and my friends, we don't have families to go back home to. Mm-hmm. So we go on this uh, uh, week-long bike trip from uh, one city up north, kind of midway down the coast north to south uh i can't remember it might have been like 160 kilometers i, I that's a lot more or less i i really just do not even remember how i mean that's a big trip to go on especially if you're not like used to cycling that yeah, like uh one of our friends he was a big time cycler he's like yeah i could probably do this in a day or two you know mm-hmm. um but he's like i i am having a hard time doing this in four days y'all you know <laughs> it, it was tough for me it was very very tough uh, uh yeah uh so we're on this trip and um uh, I, you know, th- this is, so September, uh, some of the, the worst parts of like my boss, like 
pulling the wool over my eyes hadn't happened yet. But I, I was still kind of reeling from the culture shock, and I was still very, very stressed out about... So this um, is how, how soon... So this is September after you got there in July? Yeah, well, it wasn't that long after. I had only received my first paycheck, and I was very uncertain like how, how far that paycheck was going to go. I didn't know if I had the money for anything, because I was still uncertain about from getting my... You know, the other money, my boss was taking too much, and all, yeah. all that stuff. So I, I was just... I was very... Sh- uh, there was a lot weighing on my mind. And on top of that, I wasn't uh, sleeping well. Um, I was exhausted from this crazy long bike ride. Yeah. Uh, so th- there was just a lot weighing on my mind. And uh, one of the days, I think this might have been like the third day of the trip, uh, me and one of our friends decided to get up a little bit earlier. And uh, we kind of leave our friends behind. You know, they'll, they'll catch up. I- I'm a slow guy, so they'll catch up. <laughs> uh, so uh, me and her we decided to go off on our own and we go biking and there's a uh, large buddhist temple uh on on the route that we're taking on this one route that we want to go check out and it's on this big big hill so we're riding up this big hill uh, towards the temple and as we are riding up we see this old man uh who i i really just can't describe any other way other than just he's a hermit he's got like wrinkly skin and bones that's it you know um mm-hmm. it looks like he wear owns one pair of clothing which he's got on his back right now you know a little bit tattery uh he's got this like gnarled old walking stick that looks like it belongs to gandalf the gray yeah uh he's got no teeth uh and he's just slowly walking with this walking stick up this hill and uh, we ride past him or um, walk past him rather because there's plenty of times where I get off my bike and walk because it, it's, it's a big hill. It's a tough hill for me. You know, I'm, I'm sure some people with stronger legs made it. <laughs> uh, I did not. So uh, eventually we get back on the bikes and um, I roll into this Buddhist temple. And right as uh, we kind of ride into it, I get a flat tire. Uh, bike pops you know big pop and i just lose it it was i think it was just one of the last straws for me i just kind of lost it my tire pops and i just go you know i start screaming like son of a fucking bitch fucking serious shit i am just furious and uh i turn my head and that old hermit man who I, i i figured we had ridden past and you know he was far behind is coming straight for me and you know he's walking with his hiking stick just one two like straight for me but he's got this big toothless smile grinning from ear to ear uh and he just looks so happy but he's like headed straight for me and uh i i I, obviously i stopped cursing i kind of got a hold of myself and realized hey i'm in a buddhist temple i probably shouldn't be doing that <laughs> uh but he comes over to me and at first i thought like he was gonna like be mad at me or like you know wag his finger at me but he was smiling from ear to ear and uh he, he just kind of puts a hand on my shoulder and he doesn't speak a lick of english from from his mannerisms from his tone of voice even though i did not speak korean at all I could tell exactly what he was saying, or, or I, I got the gist of it, right? He was pointing to my head, pointing to the helmet, pointing to the bike, pointing to the hill. And it was very clear, you know, he was saying, hey, don't worry about it. You know, be happy. Look at where you are. It's a great day. You're, uh, you know, you could have popped your tire while you were going downhill. You could have really hurt your head. Everything's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And that was it. You know, I, I didn't really know wow. what to say. I was just like, yeah, okay, okay. 
And then he walked away. And I, it, I'm sure for him, he just thought, okay, you know, guy popped the tire on his bike and got a little bit too worked up about it. And he just said, hey, chill out a little. It's going to be fine. And, and to him, that's it. But, like, to me, just someone going out of their way to, like, really say, hey, listen, you know, everything's going to be okay. Because... At this point, you've been going through hell with yeah. the school and, mm-hmm. you know, so much uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And then you're on this bike trip that you're not yeah. prepared for yeah. with a bunch of people you don't it know was, super it, well. It was so much more to me than just that flat tire. Mm. And yeah. I, I'm sure some people handle a lot of that stress much better. I just didn't. Uh, but, but you know, to, for him telling me, hey, it's going to be all right. This is going to be all right. Like, it was not just the the flat tire he was telling me was okay. it was just kind of perfect it timing it was a right. little bit of kismet for you yeah you know? um but w- what really made this stick in my mind even more is that after we kind of checking out the temple a little bit we look over and we see this hermit sitting in a uh like a grassy little field off to the side of the temple legs crisscrossed like he's in a meditation pose you know that the way you cross your legs like that sitting there crisscrossed in the grassy field and there's a little boy probably about five years old running back and forth and uh and he's laughing uh you know pointing at something and as i get closer i realize this little boy is running back and forth trying to catch a grasshopper (laughs) his dad's there with him just kind of laughing and watching and the the old hermit man is like you know oh yeah over there go get it Uh, over there uh so this just old you know wise hermit dude is teaching a little boy how to catch a cricket and uh (laughs) that uh, I just, you know, thought to myself, th- this could not be more uh, cliche, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I-, I made a joke at some point to someone that this is the kind of thing that if it was in a movie would get taken out for being, like, overly cliche or <laughs> slightly racist or something, right? Like, like <laughs> these kind of characters don't really exist in real life, but this guy did. <laughs> he-, he-, he felt like he fell out of a movie, yeah. right? Uh, so I was like, Huh, okay, that's a thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, that just, it, I know it, it sounds so simple, but it really just stuck in my mind. Um, and uh, after that whole uh, little escapade, of course, now we had to deal with getting down the hill and going to the next town uh, with a flat tire. And it's, again, it's still Chusok, mm-hmm. and it's a weekend. So there's nothing that's going to be open, right? There's not a lot of, you know, a bike repair shop probably is not going to be open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we end up uh, walking down the hill with our thumbs sticking out, trying to hitch hitch a ride because we do not want to walk all the way there. We've got to figure something out. And eventually these two uh, men who are obviously much more ready for a cycling trip than we are, they're, they are suited out with complete uh, matching uh, spandex suits. Mm. Uh, they've got like tool bags and uh, you know fancy helmets and the whole nine yards. They're like they are ready. Mm. And uh, they're like, okay, yeah, we can we can help you out. We've got a you know we got a spare tube. We've got um, this and that. We we can fix you up. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it turns out that uh, they don't have the specific tool required to get the wheel of my bike off. <laughs> Oh no! They they can. Theirs are like these fancy racing bikes, you know. That you can just like pull a tab and pop the tire off because you gotta yeah. be able to change it quick. Uh, so they did not have the tool that was needed for mine. Um, they're like, okay, don't worry about it. We're we're gonna help you out. So these guys, you know, I don't know where they were headed, but they end up probably taking two 
hour, two and a half hours, maybe even longer out of their day uh, just to help me out with this. Mm -hmm. And so they end up flagging down uh, this truck and uh, we throw our bikes into the back of this truck bed and you know they're going to bike on ahead and this guy drives us to uh, some place where he had a tool. Mm. And uh, finally, they arrive on their bikes behind us, you know, 30 more minutes later. And uh, they fix up my bike, give me a, you know, a spare tube uh, and everything, you know, everything's fine. Uh, They did not speak very much English at all. One of the few things that they did keep saying was, you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, like, uh, you know, and they didn't express all of this in English because uh, they didn't know much English, but like, you're here without a spare tube, without an air pump, without any of this. Uh, you're clearly not prepared. You're clearly. You are crazy, yeah. right? What are you doing? Um, so, yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, you crazy. You're crazy. And you're like, I just thought it was going to be a two-day trip. Yeah. Well, four days, but yeah. either way, it's like, I thought, you know, I did not have any of this forward thinking right (laughs) obviously this isn't something i do all the time so (laughs) very clear that it was not something that i did at all yeah (laughs) um yeah and now at the point i'm like yay we've we've you know made these new friends that helped us out and fixed everything up and after all this everything is okay well uh now they're gone my bike tire pops again eventually i have to take a cab so it was all for naught. wait what yeah but uh the the tire was not the tube was not the right size for the wheel. Oh. But it was all they had, and it was mm-hmm. all we could find. There was no shops open. So, okay, it'll work, but it just it slipped out, and it popped. Uh, and eventually, like, and my friends had gone on without me, because I was being slow, because it was not riding right. And they yeah. kind of just ditched me, basically. Um, and one of my other friends, he was kind of um, being a little bit sluggish, too, so he was somewhere else. Like, you know, we had, like, three people that were way up ahead. I was somewhere, and, you know, one of our other friends was, like, somewhere else, and he, I called him up, and he's like, I don't actually know where I am right now. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I didn't know where I was, so eventually I just called a cab, and it cost me, like, 50 bucks. Uh, because could have been way worse. Yeah, but it, it could have always been worse, and that's one of the things, you know, that, that hermit guy was, like, I feel like he was saying, and he's like, it could have been worse. You could have been going down that hill with yeah. the tire pop. Yeah. Uh, so, like, after I got back from that trip, and since that was in September, it was after that that, you know, my boss tried to pull one on me with the fake contract and this yeah. and that. I always went back to that. I'm like, everything's going to be all right. It could always be worse, you know, mm-hmm. just be happy with where I am and all of this, you know. So uh, little interactions like that. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really valued a whole lot. Um, and the, the whole uh, trip... During Chusok on our back ride, it was, it was beautiful, beautiful countryside. Uh, that we went to a couple beaches. Yeah, um, I think you've got you got some pictures from that. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So it's we'll we'll album. throw a bunch of pictures mm-hmm. that he's got um, onto the blog. So definitely check that out because we've got pictures of him. We even have the two mm-hmm. guys that helped him out hitchhiking, yeah, yeah, got, so you can go see them. Um, give Sad me a picture thumbs of up. my broken bike, like laying <laughs> in the back of this guy's truck that we hitchhiked with. No and, picture of the hermit, I think. But no, I I. I, I Thought it would be rude, so I did not. But I really wanted to whip out my phone and take a picture of this old man sitting in front of a playing with the kid, teaching this little kid how to catch a grasshopper. Like, yeah, there would not have been a better picture. I think. Yeah, Yeah. it's just. So you'll have to imagine that, but the rest, right, um, yeah. a lot of the, the countryside and where he was, mm-hmm. that we'll include a lot of that in there. Hey, maybe uh, an artistic folk out there could uh, draw me up a sketch of that. 
<laughs> that would be awesome. I, I, I actually, I need to commission someone for that. that. That is just like a memory that I want to commemorate somehow, yeah. right? Uh, so one of the things, obviously we've talked a lot about your personal experience right. and kind of what you went through here. But one of the things that I found fascinating about while you were there, mm-hmm. um, just the timing of you being there. Yeah. There was some crazy stuff happening politically, right? It was bonkers. I seriously, uh, and some like people you couldn't have heard. picked like a better, right. I mean, this is And for those of you who don't know, let's give them a little bit of context. T- tell mm. them kind of a high view, what was going on in All South right, well, Korea. Uh, Pro- protests happen actually a lot in Korea. There, there have been. Um, it's a big part of political culture. There. Right, right. Um, they know how to protest there. They like. It's the kind of thing where the cops will shut down like one lane, and uh, they'll all get out. And you know, and it's almost always very peaceful. Mm-hmm. Uh, before all this, there's this big political scandal that I'm about to get into. Um, but even before that happened, I, I went up to Seoul by myself for a day trip, and stumbled upon a protest. Uh, and one of the big things they had been protesting like every single week for was the Seoul ferry disaster. Mm. Uh, and if you guys don't know about that, mm-hmm. there was a ferry that was doing some illegal things, capsized and killed a lot of middle school stu- uh, students. I think it was I think it might have been high school or middle school. I mean, yeah, the point, point is kids, kids died. Uh, there was over 300 deaths on this yeah. ferry. And, and preventable. Right. Th- it was definitely preventable and while at first uh, a I lot mean, of the blame got thrown on like the captain it became a big political scandal. There, the government uh, kind of got involved in the sense that uh, the government was being blamed for not doing enough or for certain things with the regulations or for mm. uh, sweeping it under the rug or pretending that it wasn't happening. Yeah. Uh, some of the stuff that happened with the Coast Guard, it was just, it, it became a solid platform for people that were very unhappy with the political climate to say, hey. Kind of address a lot of the are, corruption. Yes, and yeah. f- The things that they felt like were mm-hmm. um, like corporations or companies being kind of mm-hmm. in bed with the government a little right. bit. Yeah. And uh, one, one of the protests that I had stumbled upon, as I found out, was there had been this large agricultural protest. Uh, something or another with some sort of agricultural law that uh, farmers were not happy with. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the uh, men, this elderly man, who was one of the figureheads of the movement uh, of the protest got hit with a uh, police uh, police water cannon mm. and it knocked him on the ground and uh, put him into a coma. And in fact, there's stories of uh, other people trying to rush in there and grab him and bring him up because he was on the ground and he was unconscious. Mm. And uh, the the cops would just spray them with water too. They're like, hey, we're trying to just get this guy out. He's he's down. He's out. You know, he's out. Uh, and they just kept blasting him with the water cannon, and he went into a coma. Uh, and it had been a couple of years, and uh, it was right around the time of the anniversary of that, I think. And he had just died, like, that week. Mm, so he died, like, he was in a coma for yeah. a really long time mm-hmm. and then passed away. So there was this big protest for that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, people were upset with uh, uh, how that how the government and how the police handled that protest and how they handled... Mm-hmm. Uh, that person's um, death and how it again it all got swept under the rug. So pe- people have been unhappy with um, you know political uh, corruption and yeah. uh, just a general sense that they're not doing enough or they're not doing the right things. But what gets really bonkers, and uh, for context, also I'll say that the president she has now been impeached. Uh, yeah, this was a this was a very big deal. Um, Shortly after I got back in the states, 
she was officially impeached, and mm-hmm. I believe now she is in custody. Oh yeah, uh, awaiting She's trial. Being mm-hmm. and um, we'll we'll kind of get into the the details mm-hmm. here, but to give context to you, kind of how she rose into power as well. Her father was actually a very very famous yeah. military dictator, right? Well, um, yeah, or he was uh, uh, technically, I guess, technically president, but he seized the government through a yeah. military coup. Yeah. So essentially, mm-hmm. that was under. Um, crisis or some yeah. kind of martial mm-hmm. law basically and, uh her uh her mother so uh his wife was assassinated by i think an agent of north korea then her father was also assassinated by the chief of intelligence of his in his own administration mm. so both her mother and father were uh, assassinated um her rise to power was controversial from the get-go because of who her father was and right. who her parents were yeah. but but also there was a lot of people that uh loved her father you know mm-hmm. you know even though it's like, a big he sees power divide. he was like uh benevolent mm-hmm. uh so they say uh, so and, but it's a, it's a big split like right. it's about half mm-hmm. and half and, and i think also knowing you know the, that gets you some brownie points i i'm sorry to put it in you know such a such a way because her, her parents were murdered mm-hmm. uh but you know, to say like, "Hey, my father was a president, and he was murdered, and my mother was murdered by you know a, a such and such agent." Like, yeah, that can really kind of say like, "Hey, I you know I've got my eye on something. I'm going to do something about this." And I think a lot of that you know people are moved uh, by who that. she was and the fact that she was the daughter of this person and the political climate surrounding all that is what helped her get into power. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, she was more of a puppet than anything else. Uh, and her. this is wild. So I, if you're not, it. if you've been tuned out, mm-hmm. pay attention because this actually happened. This, uh, if I did not see this on the news every single day in Korea for the months that it was going on, I would not believe it. I would think that it's, you know, some sort of sci-fi novel, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like, I don't know, some Tom Clancy stuff, Robert Ludlum writing this <laughs> or something, you know, like Jason Bourne. Like, these are the kind of like ridiculous political conspiracies that just are the work of and conspiracy uh, is not fiction. a term used like like it is right. very much it a was conspiracy. A, it was a conspiracy uh as it turns out she was a puppet under control by her lifelong uh or long childhood friend Choi soon shiel Choi soon shiel uh is as it turns out or at least uh, how the media in korea played it up was a shaman that, that was her actual role in a pseudo-christian cult Wow. So she was a shaman in a pseudo-Christian cult, and uh, she pretty much would meet on a daily basis with Park Geun-hee, the president of South Korea. And she would uh, say, this is what you will be saying in your speech today. This is what you're going to wear on camera. Really? This are these, these are the decisions that you'll be making. And part of the reason that is so controversial is not just that, you know, Tristan Shield was saying, hey, do this, do that. It's not like she was just like some like advisor role. The president was giving her all kinds of access to very classified information. Mm-hmm. Things that were for the president's eyes only. She was basically giving all to this other woman. And then she was saying, okay, I'm making the decision here. You do this now. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in addition to that, in addition to this shaman from a pseudo christian cult making all these decisions and receiving all this classified information uh 
she was convening with what the media dubbed the eight heavenly fairies. And if that doesn't sound like something from some sort of crazy sci-fi political fiction novel, I don't know what does. The eight heavenly fairies were a shadow cabal of all female uh, CEOs or wives of CEOs. In in any capacity, they were all oligarchs. Mm. And together, this shadow cabal of the eight heavenly fairies would receive classified information from the president Mm. and would make decisions on her behalf and they say you're going to do this now you're going to do that and obviously so there is quite literally a group of people a secret mm-hmm. group yeah. of people it, it's literally a conspiracy like yes. it's yeah, yeah. and, and uh, so because they all have though they were all oligarchs they all had their own special ties to uh corporations mm-hmm. they were making decisions that benefited them mm-hmm. yay capitalism uh there there was you know all sorts of scandals about money that was being funnel, funneled to uh, government funds that were uh going to Choi Soon Shiel uh, mm. without uh any kind of permission and then she was giving that money to her daughter uh, i think she i think there was even something about like some government funds like being used so that she could buy a horse for her daughter oh my or something and then you know send her to university somewhere and like paid for all of her tuition with government funds uh, of course uh the president's Approval ratings plummeted. Mm-hmm. I think at its lowest, it was like 3%. Mm-hmm. There were still people that, you know, approved of her somehow. Yeah. But barely any. And so there were Maybe protests. they just love the eight heavenly fairies. Yeah. <laughs> there were protests. Yeah. Every, not, not just weekly now. Uh, for a while, every single day. Mm. It, it was crazy. Uh, uh, when the scandal first came to light, I made the conscious decision not to go to Seoul because I heard that the protests were so big. Um, and I saw some pictures that, like, the protests were huge. Mm. And of course, eventually... I mean, yeah, yeah. Eventually, it's still going on, but everyone, you know, kind of gets used to it, and the protests are going on, but they don't get quite as big. Uh, but the protests went on for a very long time. Mm. Uh, as you can imagine, and even, literally uncovering right. that your entire process is in every city so in my city as well there were times that it was was you know people were trying to get downtown like sorry i'm late the protests were in the way you know (laughs) Uh, i I went just to go look at the protests a few times as a foreigner on an e2 visa uh apparently i'm not even allowed to take part in protests Mm. but you know i can look in the beyond the bylines just go oh hey neat interesting that's a good thing to note so if you are traveling don't jump in (laughs) Uh, th- at least that's what I've been told. I, I could be misinformed. Um, I would. I. I think that would fit mm-hmm. fairly well with there. It's just a very, very different type of political culture and climate, right. and what is considered legal mm-hmm. or illegal or crossing certain boundaries. It's. Yeah. It's just a very, very different thing to navigate. It's just, it's, this was just the most bonkers thing I'd ever heard, and this was going on about the same time as the uh, political election, uh, the presidential election here in the states. So I think that it got a little bit overshadowed by that. You know, yeah. obviously Americans are going to be a little bit more concerned with electing their own president than some crazy scandal in South Korea with their president. Mm-hmm. So I, I think just because of that and the kind of news that you know was a little bit more important for uh, for Americans, us, yeah. it was not something that got big news here yeah. um, and so a lot of times I'll talk to people and they hadn't even heard about that scandal they don't even know that the South Korean president was impeached but uh, it, it, it's 
just this crazy story and living through through it and just being there and hearing about uh, all the things. And every day, you know, there was something new coming out about like uh, the CEO of Samsung was involved in the scandal as well mm. and this and that. I think the CEO of uh, Samsung is now in jail as well. I and would believe it. So... Mm. Have uh, no fear, guys. We are going to put a lot of information <laughs> about this. I'm going to try and track down some articles as well. So if you want to read more. There's no shortage of articles, especially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so funny. There, there was just all all this political upheaval at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, at the same time, now I was hearing about uh, you know the, the Trump presidency and the election going on with that. And that was making waves all over the place. Um and it was funny just talking with my students. Like they had very strong opinions about Park Young Hee. You know? Really? Yeah. What yeah, were some yeah. of the? I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I just remember like say like, yeah, she's terrible. I hate her. She's a bad person. She mm-hmm. needs to go away. You know, just like simple things like that. And these are like eight year olds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I was saying uh, earlier, uh, off the recording, that uh, some of my students w- w- were really. Um, interested in just hearing my own political opinions and I wanted to stay away from that but uh, when I substitute taught uh, for this one class there's a bunch of kids that came up and oh uh, do you like do you like Trump and it, it was just it was interesting to me that the these little eight-year-old kids uh, you know they wanted to know what my political opinions were they, yeah. they wanted to know like what I thought of this person like they, they were aware of the US election and yeah that it was controversial and that there are people that like had strong feelings about it either way right yeah. and that that's huge to me as mm-hmm. like a kid I, I feel like most eight-year-olds here wouldn't understand like they would take their parents opinion maybe and not necessarily mm-hmm. understand that people have differing opinions right. um, so I find that fascinating that they would come up and be like what is your opinion on this man like mm-hmm. I understand that there are a differing opinions this right, is a totally right. different country mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they have all of that understanding at eight years old blows my mind yeah right yeah uh, it's kind of funny. So uh, I mentioned one of my coworkers, one of the the other foreign teacher was from the Philippines, mm-hmm. and um, this was also around the time that uh, the president of the Philippines, uh, Duterte, I think is how you pronounce that name. I do not know. I also I've he, only read it. Yeah. He he was like making these wild statements. Like he, uh, this was before uh, Donald Trump was elected president, so still President Obama, and uh, Duterte was making these statements like. Uh, cussing out Obama and like you know the president of a sovereign nation is like swearing at another president and saying like oh you're a dog you're this and that and we don't need you anymore and we hate you now like like all this like really ridiculous stuff he's like going off the wall and uh president of the Philippines had also enacted this law that states um that uh like it, it was essentially illegal to murder someone if they were drug users uh, that it's legal? Yeah. I haven't even heard about this. Uh, and I, I think even in uh, one statement, Duterte said that he had uh, uh, killed drug users himself. And he thought it was like a great plan. It was a great idea to do this. You know, like, that's, that's how you get rid of the drug problem, right? So you just go around killing people. Like, you just euthanize? Well, like- obviously, like, the biggest problem, not that this is the only one by, by any stretch, but one of the big things is, can't you just say I had a strong suspicion that my neighbor uh, was using drugs, so I killed him? Like, okay, are you gonna back that up? No, I, I killed him. He's dead now. You said I could do that. 
right? So <laughs> what the, the president hell? of the Philippines was like, this is not funny. That's of, like actually yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible. It was terrible. Um, but so I, I'm hearing, you know, from one of my coworkers about the president from her home country, like being crazy. I'm hearing about uh, the crazy political scandal in South Korea and all this crazy stuff that's going on there. And then we're hearing about, uh, you know, the, the presidential election back in the States. And it's Everyone's, like, the world is insane. Yeah, and like, then there's Brexit. And then there oh, was, yeah. Brexit yeah. happened. Yep. That was, um, that was one more thing on the table. Yep. Uh, it, it was just, it was a very uh, tumultuous time. Oh, um, and then we didn't even think about Russia and their activities mm-hmm. and... Like all of this is happening at the same right. time, the world is in turmoil. Ugh, it it, was... it is a hostile political climate across the board. Yeah, and it really is. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know in many countries what's happening is extremely polarizing. Mm-hmm. I think for the U.S., we it's it's been a very long time since the U.S. has been this polarized. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, because our really in the the grand scheme of things, the values of both sides, Republicans and Democrats, are actually mm-hmm. not that far off on right, the scale right. if you're looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it f- doesn't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I, I um, I, I remember uh, since obviously we're, uh, in Korea, I was uh, 14 hours ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on daylight saving time, it yeah, was, uh, it would either be 13 or 14 hours since we didn't follow a daylight savings time right there. Yeah, um, but being 14 hours ahead meant that uh i I think i woke up in the morning uh while the vote count for the presidential election in the states was going on Mm -hmm. like i woke up like at the end of it Mm -hmm. and uh that was like a bizarre thing to wake up to you know um it's like little things about that like just trying to keep up with all the stuff and uh I really tried to immerse myself in like the Korean political climate as well to understand it. I feel like I, I from a from a historian standpoint. It. I mean, from yeah. from your interest in mm-hmm. like just, I mean, monumental like right. events, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this was huge. Uh, but so with all this political stuff going on, with um, uh, all of that, especially because now it's uh, when when I finally left Korea, mm-hmm. it was uh, February. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the South Korean presidential scandal was kind of at its peak, and this is coming in right after the wake of uh, the inauguration of President Trump and all that. Um, so, you have all of this crazy political uh, stuff that's going on that I'm trying to keep track of, and it's just... Uh, overwhelming and of course i'm i'm you know i'm now doing a midnight run <laughs> on korea uh and that's really stressful and so like there's just all this stuff weighing on my mind and uh, once so i get on the uh plane and i headed for japan and my plan was i, I didn't even really have a plan for what i was going to do in japan mm-hmm. uh but i headed there uh with a plan to leave in two weeks and it was like night and day because uh, it was also really cold in korea uh mm-hmm. when i got on the plane you know it, it had been like minus 10 celsius every night i don't know what that translates into in Fahrenheit. it's cold but it, it was you know Chilly. it had been snowing a lot yeah. um it was just always cloudy like no sun <laughs> and uh i get on the plane we arrive in japan and as we're coming down I look at the window, it's like this bright blue sky, not a cloud in the sky. I get out and it's warm, right? Wow. And it's like, it was night and day just like getting in there. I'm like, oh my God, it's warm. It's bright. It's sunny. There's no clouds. And then for the next two weeks, like I, I didn't read the news. I, I didn't like, uh, you know, check in too, I didn't check in too much to 
all the crazy stuff that was going on. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have any more responsibilities. You know, I'm done with my job. I'm I, all my money that I was worried about. I finally sent home. I have resigned the fact that I'm not getting my pension, all that this stuff with my contract done, gone with, thrown it away, you know, <laughs> out of my mind. Uh, political, you know, political scandal in Korea. What's that? It's gone. <laughs> I, I was in a country that I had never been to. Mm-hmm. And for the very first time, with no family and no friends, because even in Korea, again, you I had came contacts, there with yeah. contact, you know, people that I knew from college. Mm-hmm. And here for the very first time, I knew no one. I had no family, no friends, no responsibilities, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing, no bills, and at least a decent amount of money saved up. And, oh, it was just the most refreshing thing. It felt so good. Um, and and I, I really didn't um, do much of like adventuring and story making or anything. There's not a lot of stories to tell, even though I spent two weeks there. I just like sight saw, went around to all these different cities and just saw all the things I wanted to see there. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it was just a, a literal and figurative breath of fresh air. Yeah. Uh, leaving all that behind. That doesn't mean to say that like I, um, you know, didn't appreciate your experience. Didn't appreciate my experience. Because, again, I, I talked a lot about, you know, all these people that I met in Korea that I really enjoyed but talking with. But it's a palate cleanser. Yeah. But it, especially with what we were just talking about the, with my job and with the political mm-hmm. climate and all that. Just, mm-hmm. it was a breath of fresh air. It yeah. was nice. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that I'm back. Uh, I will say that there's definitely a lot of stuff that I miss. Um, <laughs> the podcast, of course, being among them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and there's stuff that I, there's, even though I only spent two weeks in Japan, I have missed Japan so much already. Uh, <laughs> and there, there's a ton that I miss in Korea. You know, I, I, of course, I my friends that I made, you know, I, I made friends that I hung out with for you know nearly yeah. a year like they're my friends I, I miss them too mm-hmm. uh some of the food I miss that the the national parks like they were they were beautiful I wish I could go back and experience more of them uh fantastic sites wow absolutely so like it, it's definitely a place I really want to go back to mm-hmm. but I missed just being able to speak English with mo- <laughs> most everyone I came across yeah uh, I, I I missed not having to do some sort of crazy like charades to convey something every single time, you know, like the whole thing. And I'm sure you can sympathize having lived in China for two years, uh, figuring out how, how to open your bank account and get your debit card and, uh, getting a cell phone. Hell, even grocery a, shopping. You don't plan. even realize yeah. how much easier uh, just like the basic things are until you get back because mm-hmm. you become so acclimated in it. Right. That's just your reality. You adapt, mm-hmm. um, one thing I have to say I, I think is remarkable about when you're like living in another country long term is you you forget that it's hard. Mm-hmm. But even on the daily granular micro level, every little thing is a little bit more difficult for you Absolutely. because you're not there's a cultural context that's lost to you. There's a language context. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there, everything. It's L- just things different. Like ordering delivery food. right? <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or just walking down the street and you know, like you're trying to figure out directions mm-hmm. in the street signs in Korean. I, I ended up learning how to read Korean, um, yeah. which I'm glad that's a skill that I have now is that <laughs> I look at something. In Korean but it's a survival. Read, yeah. But I don't know what any of it means. I never learned the language yeah uh, the good thing is is that they would use a lot of english especially for food so i'd be scrolling through like the delivery app and it's all in korean but then i see it says pizza like pizza, pizza. oh pizza <laughs> right yeah. um you know uh, pepperoni oh pepperoni you know yeah. uh, ice cream just says ice cream 
Yeah. No, it'll actually say that because e- each syllable is pronounced a very specific way and that doesn't change. Yeah. So, so there's there's like an alphabet right. in Korean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it literally would be isokrima. Like, yeah. That That's how it is pronounced and that's how it's spelled as well. Yeah. Uh, I love the alphabet though. It's probably one it's of the very like, linguistically cool. speaking, one of the best designed systems of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a uh, a holiday for the creation of their alphabet called Hangul Day. Oh yeah, I have heard of Their language is called Hangul. Yeah, that's it's actually really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. That that's on my list of things that I want to learn. Yeah. Um, but yeah coming back to the u.s i think it, there are some, some things though that you do get used to that coming back you're like whoa why do we do that you know mm. um and one of the things that i i definitely noticed was just like how much americans especially in the south small talk yes and i forgot how to do that because i was gone for so long so i remember going through the visa line to like get back mm-hmm. into the, the customs line to get back into the u.s and the officer was like asking me questions mm-hmm. and I, but like just to be really really nice and i it it startled me to such a degree that i didn't even know how to respond i was like what why like that, that's so funny okay uh because i noticed this when i was when i landed in the atlanta airport and i was coming mm-hmm. back there's a bunch of customs agents uh all checking out of the people's passports and everything yeah and i could hear them like basically interrogating other people like why are you coming to the united states oh i'm sorry what why are you coming to the united states what are you doing here well like they sound so mean about yeah. it yeah and like like i'm like okay i gotta prepare for this like they're gonna like yell at me and i just they're gotta, like, like welcome back this. mr johnson yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they basically just said like oh hi so uh what are you doing there so oh, i was teaching was, okay well welcome back not gonna ask me any questions no everything's fine i don't i you don't have to make sure i have anything to click you're you're fine just have have a wonderful life yeah no i mean and like i almost felt like when they were asking questions it was like out of suspicion but it was Mm -hmm. just small talk like he was straight up just being really really nice yeah so like and that i never experienced kind of being grilled like that until i went to london of all places I was flying out of Sweden into London to visit a friend of mine for four days and I got detained at the airport Mm. and they took my passport and they literally left me there for three hours. The guy just screamed at me for a really long time and he was like, just because you're American doesn't mean that you can just walk into our country. Like we have a process and I didn't have the address for the friend that I was visiting Mm -hmm. and I didn't know her profession um, because she was like, she had just graduated school and I knew her from actually living in China. We'd taught English together and like, you know, I just kind of reconnected with her and was like, hey, I'll just fly over. Like, we're close. And it was kind of on a, on a whim type of thing. And I, so I didn't have all of this information that you're supposed to have printed out and like presented to them. Um, and everybody else in front of me did. So there were people right. from all these other countries and backgrounds and like this little like American white girl. Here I am getting mm-hmm. detained and screamed at. And I was like, oh, like this is how everybody feels coming into our country. Yeah. And that was such a wake up fucking call for me. I didn't experience like anything like that uh, at the Korean airport or the Japanese Mm-mm. airport. I never, um, not even in China. Yeah. I never experienced that. Um, and it was just the UK and he was, um, you know, and he just flat out told me like, just because you're American doesn't mean we have to let you in. And right. he's like, and at this point, you know, if we send you back, Sweden doesn't have to let you in either. And I was like, oh my God. So that was such a wake up call. Yeah. 
He's kind of being like a dick about it. He could just, you know, it's like, hey, listen. Yeah, but that's how Americans are to everybody else. Yeah, and that was yeah. kind of his point. That's yeah. how I heard like the customs, yeah. like American customs agents interrogating this guy you know, was, people like, why are you here? Yeah, I'm sure that they were like making a point. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, with American in the, the grand scheme of things, like I'm positive that like if you come in and you don't follow the rules, they are going to make an example mm-hmm. out of you. And that's what I did. I came in and I didn't follow mm-hmm. the rules because... I, I'm American and I've gotten away with everything. Right, yeah. And so like, I, you know, and they were, but they were, they knew that that was exactly what it was. And they called yeah. me out. Mm. Uh, but it was, it was crazy. Well, one, one, the one story I have uh, from Japan, just speaking of airports, yeah. uh, was, uh, so apparently there was a television show in Japan. Yeah. Um, and what they do mm-hmm. is they uh, find foreigners at the airport and they interview them. And then if the person's interesting enough, they uh, they will follow them around and see what they're doing. <laughs> uh, so I, I got interviewed uh, both times I was at the airport by like the TV show. Like they had like, you know, one of the big TV, the TV cameras. So it's like a, it's just like a popular show? Or? Yeah, I, I can't remember what it's called, but I think if you just type in like uh, Japan airport TV show, it might pop up. Uh, I looked it up and found like full episodes online. Uh, I, I didn't get picked or anything, but you yeah. know they had this big TV camera in my face, and there was a Japanese host there, and then there was a translator, and you know they. Asked oh, it's me, literally called "Why Did You Come to Japan?" Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they asked me. That was the first question. They they asked, "Why did you come to Japan?" And uh, I talked, told them, you know, oh, just coming here to sightsee. I don't really have a plan at all. I don't know where I'm staying. I, I literally did not know where I was. Uh, so I, I booked a hotel for the first couple nights. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. So it wasn't until five days into my trip in Japan. That I was like, I should probably figure out like where I'm going from here. I need to start like booking hotels and mm-hmm. figuring out how the trains work and going somewhere. Because I, I, I booked a place for five days in uh tokyo and then i just used that as like my base and went all around but mm-hmm. after that point it was okay i'm gonna go to this city and then that city and yeah do some more sightseeing uh so being interviewed was like i don't know what i'm doing here i have absolutely no plan i just kind of came here <laughs> so um yeah i don't think that was very interesting to them <laughs> yeah. but uh if they do find someone that's interesting they'll follow them around uh, and I, I found out when I was looking up the show, why did you come to Japan? Mm-hmm. One of the things they do, uh, they, they have like a little a skit. And by the way, the, the people that like host the show are, I think, um, popular comedians in Japan. And so these two guys that do the show, uh, they have like this skit, this uh, little contest they have. And they try to, they go to like rural towns in Japan with the objective of finding a foreigner that is not an English teacher. <laughs> So, you know, like, they'll go to all these different places. That is and, like, so self-aware and yeah. awesome. <laughs> like, so yeah. they, they managed to find, you know, like, a, a one for and they're like, oh, what is, what is your job here? And they're like, uh, I teach English. Like, oh, of course you do. Next place. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, that's fantastic. And that's the same one? Yeah, that's the same show. It's like uh, a bit that they do as a part of the show, I think. Uh, that is, mm-hmm. I fucking love that so much. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, being one of them, I, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And, uh, of course, I, I, I met a lot of foreigners that are like, Oh, I hate that stigma. Like everyone thinks that just because I'm a foreigner, I teach English. Like I'll have you know, I have my master's degree and I work in a but you are teaching English. Like, no, well, no, oh. they, like they do not teach English. Oh, so, got it, fact, got it. Um, yeah. uh, one of our one of our friends, one of my friends there, uh, uh, worked as a uh, like a copywriter for uh, some sort of science journal. Got it. Um, I thought you were saying that they were mad that everybody thinks they're no, an English like, teacher, but they are. And I was yeah. like, what? 
<laughs> so like no not everyone is an english teacher yeah right? uh but there's enough most of them i would say are yeah enough that you know it's very enough that we can't really fault people yeah, for thinking no. that <laughs> which is why i think that that sketch that that tv show in japan does is hilarious <laughs> So just like, like just trying to go to any rural town and find a foreigner that yeah. does not teach English. Yeah, dude, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, on that note, I think we should go ahead and wrap up. Yeah. I'm your host, Veeps. And I am Tandy, formerly known as the Great and Powerful. And you don't know me. Yeah.